Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. Today we have a very special guest, Mac McCartney, and he will be telling us about his amazing organization and sharing part of his story that led up to the success and the endeavors found at Ember Comey. Hi, Mac. Thanks for joining us. Uh, hi, Angela. Good to speak to you. Before you tell the listeners about the foundation and what all is going on there, which was really interesting stuff that I found at your website, can you share with us some of your background, your story, and your history that kind of led up to why you do what you do today and, and how it all kind of evolved? Sure. Um, it, uh, it is one of the stories where it's a little bit hard to figure out where to begin, but I think as good a place as any is... Um, as a young child uh, growing up in the Midlands of England mm -hmm. and uh, just happening to have the good fortune to be near um, a park which, uh, although could never be described as wild in any real uh, context, was wild enough for my imagination to be able to turn it into, uh, I don't know, the uh, the Yukon of the North, North America or the... Amazon forests of South America or somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And it was in that place and in the garden, uh, the garden that, um, and, and, and specifically a piece of the garden that my parents gave us as children, my two brothers and I, that uh, we played and fought battles and uh, vanquished uh, insurmountable odds and led armies and all the stuff that I guess young boys might, might have done, do and have done, mm -hmm. and became, though I wouldn't have ever expressed it like this, but I think grew really deeply in love with nature mm -hmm. and the smells and everything associated with nature, so sitting by campfires and mm. earth and climbing trees. Mm -hmm. So that's where it began, but then... Um, uh, for a whole number of different reasons, I was sent away to one of the um, uh, English boarding schools, in which uh, I think stories of those places, particularly at that time, because this was would have been in the uh, middle 1950s, mm -hmm. um, were, uh, at least certainly could be, many were pretty brutal places. Mm -hmm. And uh, the place I went to was bore a strong resemblance to William Golding's Lord of the Flies, uh, mm. I think. So it was uh, full-on, pretty, pretty serious and quite intense. And in mm -hmm. that place, I think I really uh, learned something about, um, about inju injustice mm -hmm. and, um, and the uh, abuse of power and all those kinds of issues. So mm -hmm. by the time I left that school, I had uh, little respect, I think, for whatever was uh, uh, I perceived as uh, the authorities mm -hmm. and in various institutions of power and everything, and, uh, and, and, and really quite confused as well, because the things that I loved appeared uh, to have no value in the world to which I was entering. Mm which was largely about getting a successful career and, uh, and as is in our society, I think, measuring success by the, um, mostly at least, by the um, uh, by financial criteria. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, there was quite a long period, really, in which 
I was quite clear that um, I was somehow on some kind of journey, but I mean, it really was a rather deluded and dysfunctional journey because it um, reached some kind of point of no return when I ended up in a in a room in southeast London and there were guns in the room and and I was sitting there and thinking to myself, well, um, if I continue on the current, my current trajectory, then either I'm going to get hurt or go to prison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and yet somehow <coughs> inside me still is this person that is uh, really believes in freedom, is is loves uh, nature, mm-hmm. is, is all of these other. And I um, I left that room. Uh, I went up to North Wales uh, on the west coast of Britain. And, um, and there I went and trained as a gardener uh, for a couple of years in, at, um, at an estate there. And I think of that time now as a, as a real turning point because uh, I went there primarily, I think, just to sort of pause, reflect, mm-hmm. um, heal myself on some level and, and also just to be with the things that I really loved, which was plants and trees and uh, working outside physically and all that sort of thing. It sounds like that was a great uh, opportunity to take a time of respite and then to realign yourself with your true purpose and values. And I love that you're sharing that because I think that people need to remember that it's never too late to change your path, if you will, and to find a way to get back to what's really living within your core, your passion. Yes, and I really feel that very strongly, Angela, because, I mean, how old I was, I suppose, at that time in my um, early, early middle 30s. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sort of 18, 19. I was well into my adult life, mm-hmm. uh, but also just jumping ahead to my experience here, there are people that we've had uh, here who are you know, really well advanced in years, and it's, the thing that stands in the way of most of us, I think, is just the belief somehow mm-hmm. that the opportunities we've had are, are past and gone, mm-hmm. and that all we can do is you know, um, continue. But anyway, so at that point, I, I, I then got a job as the uh, head gardener in a leadership development center for training corporate managers. And uh, somehow, you know, uh, whatever fortune delivers to you, I went and asked my, um, the boss at that time if I could accompany a group of these corporate managers and observe the leadership training, which at that point very popular was outdoor leadership development in the mountains. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was one of the UK's large supermarket chains. And anyway, he said, yes, you can, Mac, as long as you don't speak, (coughs) because because you're the the gardener and and everybody knows you're the gardener and it's not appropriate that the Mm. gardener be sort of uh, offering advice to Mm -hmm. the supermarket. So I said, that's fine, and I went off and I watched this thing. Now, it just so happened that on that particular day, all hell let loose, the managers uh, who were undergoing this training forgot, I think, that it was a training course, and at some point, two of them got into such uh, uh, an altercation that they sort of bunched fists 
and squared up against each other. And I was standing there observing, watching this and thinking, uh, you know, my goodness, I never I never understood that this sort of training was quite so intense and uh, wondering if it was all going to plan. And then looking across at the facilitator, and it was quite clear that, that they had long since become rather irrelevant to the whole process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it looked very similar to the world I'd just come from. So eventually I, I, I stepped in, got involved, managed to just sit them down, reassured them that everyone's point of view would be listened to. You know, various other things of that kind. We, we talked, everybody got their views aired, uh, and an hour or two later we continued and lots of learning had been achieved and everybody was happy again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when I got back the Leadership Development Centre, they heard about it and asked me if I'd like to do more of that work. And two years, two and a half years later, I was the head of consultancy in the same place. Mm. Oh, my goodness. That's an amazing story in itself because really it took your ability to see something that was happening right before you and then be willing to do something about it, to have the courage to take some steps and some action. Yes, I guess so, Angela. I mean, at the time, of course, it felt just like the natural thing to do. These mm-hmm. people were looking so distressed and it was so obvious that something, you know, it was a usual story anyway. The argument was about nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was nothing that anybody would remember a month or two later. Mm-hmm. Um, they just needed some kind of intervention that would allow them to pause and step back with dignity mm. and feel as if they were being listened to and accounted to. Mm-hmm. And so, that's vastly needed yeah. in so many areas of the world we live in, whether it's personal or professional. It's that yeah. ability to be heard, to use your voice appropriately, things like that, to be able to connect with others. And that was some of what I loved when I went to your website just learning right. the various things that you've done and do and really what your organization stands for is just amazing. And before mm. we talk more about that, I would love for you to share with the listeners what was it that you kind of brought from your past? You talked about having you know, that period of freedom and being out in the wilderness and, and natural mm. environment, but there must have been some characters you developed along the way that allowed you to have the courage and the faith to go forward in the mission that you're on now and to also stop it like you said at one point you had to stop the path you were on and and pursue what you knew was right in your heart do you think there were particular things that that gave you those the characters and the qualities to do that well, I'm, I am quite sure that my parents pay, played a big role in this. They were, they were very accepting mm-hmm. and also encouraging to us to think our, our own way into mm. things and to, and to then share those views and then be able to sit in dialogue with others. The, the conversations and, and sometimes arguments that we had as a family around the dinner table were wonderful. And they weren't, um, but they were. There were positive conversations, you know. Mm-hmm. There was, um, and so everything I think about the values that they did offer me, I think did did really sink deep. Which mm-hmm. was a love of justice. Well, it was a feeling that um, that actually we all of us owe 
owe something to the society that's brought us forward, mm-hmm. um, and that um, that. Uh, and I'm not sure whether whether this was there, but I certainly gathered somewhere the feeling uh, along the line of one of the greatest evils is when is when good men and women stay silent. Mm, yes, you know, st- stand on the sidelines and. and so something about standing your ground and um, and, and and taking uh, taking you know what, whatever the consequences might be. Mm-hmm. I love that you're saying that because I think that's important for people to realize is that we all I believe have a mission and a purpose in life, and when it just stirs within us and and bothers us almost that we're not doing that, it's usually because we're afraid to speak out and own up to whatever that is and to go forward and take responsibility for our yes. own life purpose. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I don't know, but I <clears throat> I would add to the positive role modeling that I received there from my parents. I did receive and have received an awful lot of what I'd call, as it were, uh, negative role modeling from other people who I've encountered in my life mm-hmm. who have really um, shown me how I don't wish to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I think in many ways that's been incredibly helpful. Yes, because, um, very good. And know. sometimes learning from our own negative experiences, the painful yes. ones, the, the hurtful ones, is really a good way to learn about how to live and how to pursue our life purpose. And I love what you're saying because I think what's critical here, especially for those listeners who are parents, that idea of showing your children acceptance, to really just accept what they're feeling and thinking, to not automatically dismiss it and say, no, that's not right, no, that can't be. That is what really evolves into allowing someone to be who they're truly meant to be. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, they were... I mean, this was what well, I was born in 1949. So, you know, in the late 60s, I was a young man, and um, and it would have been so easy for my parents to have adopted a position uh, of of intolerance and and you know n- no interest, if you like, in in my world and and you know sort of telling me what was right and what was wrong. But they never did that. They were much there was a, a depth of uh, wisdom, I feel, in handling a young man who had a lot of energy and all kinds of um, passions and was, you know, full on into it, you know, with all the self, self-belief self and some of it, you know, rather egotistical and all the rest of it. But they, mm-hmm. they did parent that, I feel, really well mm. by sticking, sticking with me and, and just allowing me to go through that whilst mm-hmm. not necessarily, you know, by also challenging it, but always from a place of mm-hmm. love and compassion. Very nice. Then how did it evolve from where you were at in your position well, to create the organization? Well, if I can just add in this bit, because it was very fundamental, and it takes us over to uh, to your side of the Atlantic Ocean as well. Mm-hmm. At the same time as I took on this job at this leadership development center, I began what ended up being a 20-year sort of mentorship with a group of mixed-blood Native American people. And that was uh, hugely uh, influential in my thinking. And it wasn't without its complications, but I can say 
that right now at Embercombe, in what we've created here, some of the thinking and the um, philosophy and spiritual principles, if you like, mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, have been just huge. And one of the most wonderful things that they offered me at that time was uh, a challenge very close to the beginning of that time when they said, um, you know, you're, you're a Brit. You're not, you're not from this land. You're a Brit. Mm. Um, you're not an Indian. You're not going to be an Indian. They used that term, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said, um, so you have your own island and your own history. Mm. We, want you, we want to hear you name your tribe. Mm. And and I was just I was just I didn't know what to say you know so name your tribes nobody had ever said this to me and I was absolutely floundering and and they uh, as it were turned away uh, from looking at me turned and looked away and said we are ashamed that you should know so little of your own people mm. and and have be so fully and absolutely ignorant of your own. Um, as it were, uh, tribal and indigenous past. Mm. And so they set me, uh, and then they reeled off the names of all the old British tribes. Wow. Which, which they knew. So mm-hmm. the, the Iceni, the Coritani, the Ordovici, the Siluris, the Brigantes, the Caledoniae, Dumnoniae, all these different. And it's just like Apache, Kiowa, Cheyenne. They were not the original names, if you like, they were uh, uh, westernized names. Mm-hmm. In our case, they were Latin, uh, Latin names for those tribes. But uh, it really set me off thinking about that in, in, for, for Britain, and, and that's continued right up to this time, which has really been that um, we don't need to spend forever looking to Tibet and India in our case, over here, indigenous North America or others, you know, a lot of their teaching was your own hills, your own valleys, your own woodland, your own seashores is deserving of, of love and respect and reverence. Mm. Yes. And I love that. I really Powerful. Yes. Yeah. So that was the other piece in there and, and really gave me, as it were, an adult platform, Mm -hmm. which built upon that that love I was talking about as a child in the garden just playing. And and I think it just cemented in me the determination to somehow find a way in which I could um, bring all those things which I just so deeply loved and was so passionate about Mm -hmm. into my adult life and into my work. Mm -hmm. So it did inform the um, theories of leadership and, and uh, other things which, which, which we were by that time then using in, in the business because I, I, I left the, the place where I'd learnt, as it were, the skills of my trade and I then set up my own UK company and then in Russia and then in Poland. Mm-hmm. And um, our clients were large uh, multinationals and... Um, we we were we were a small consultancy, but it was a strong and successful business. And one of our clients, uh, some years into, in 
into that business was an insurance company. And they came to us saying, we think we're going to go on a meteoric journey. We, we, we were very confident we're going to be very successful. We've got a set of core values and we do not want our success to be at the expense of our values. Mm-hmm. Would, you, would you and your company accompany us on that journey? and help us remember that and, and so that at the end when we when we celebrate we can say uh, we did it with our mm. values intact. Mm. And that was a five year journey. The company was sold to Warren Buffett, millions were made mm-hmm. and the two co founders came to me at the end of that and said, you know, with all this success, there's a certain emptiness for us at the center of it because the feeling is that the adventure's been done. Mm-hmm. And we were, you know, fairly wealthy before all this began, and now we're very wealthy, but it doesn't really make any kind of material difference. And we're left with this feeling of, gosh, you know, was that it? And what do we do now? Just do it all again, but do it bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I told them about then, because I'd never spoken about it, this um, mentorship that I'd been receiving all this, these years, and suggested we went on, a, on a, a sort of a vision quest vision quest journey in the mountains of Snowdonia. Mm-hmm. And we did that, and about a month later they called me into the office, asked me what my dream was, and I said, um, and I had this phrase, which I, I don't know where it had come from, but I said, a garden that grows people. Mm, and, love it. Yeah. And they said, what do you need? I said, land. And then he pulled out his checkbook and he wrote me this huge check. And that became Embercoon. That's a wonderful story. And mm. amazing how it all evolved at just the right place and time and people and connections. And that's part <laughs> of the very thing that you do is connect. Yeah. So it's tell funny, the listeners it? it is. It's it's wonderful. I, I love to hear things like that because I think that just sharing that in itself hopefully yeah. allows people to see that the impossible is possible. The amazing mm. is right outside your doorstep. And so yeah. it is there for you if that's what you seek and desire. And we have to allow the unfolding of it all, I think. Yeah, that's it, Angela. And the amazing thing is, I, I, I feel, is that if, you, if at any point we had, as it were, stopped that story before the point of that money being given mm. and, said, and said, what do you think about this? I, I, I would probably not, I wouldn't have been able to see how it was all coming together. Mm-hmm. You know, it would have, it would have felt like I, you know, here I am, I'm just slogging my way up a mountainside. Mm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and so I think it gives a bit of hope or something to, to many of us when we're, we're in the journey, going through swamps and climbing mountains, you know, metaphorically as it were. Mm-hmm. We don't know where, where this might be leading. And mm. As long as we're learning from the experience and gathering resources, Becoming a little, a little bit uh, wiser as we step along, and not, you know, not and not beating ourselves around the head for making mistakes, but instead focusing on learning from them. Mm-hmm. Then everything becomes possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I totally agree with you, and I think that's one thing that I often try and express to people: is don't give up before. Mm. You can see around the bend because there's so yeah. much amazing available. 
So before we wrap up, can you tell the listeners about the foundation and the organization and exactly what you do? Yes. So here we are. We've got a beautiful uh, 50-acre little valley on the edge of uh, one of uh, Britain's national parks in the southwest. And we spend a lot of time racking our head what is the, the essence, the core of the gift that we might be able to make Mm-hmm. bringing together all the experience of the past and everything. And we came up with our mission, which we, I think, feels still feels really, really good. And that is to touch hearts, stimulate minds, and inspire committed action for a truly sustainable world. Mm. So the whole... We, you know, when I said to you, you know, Embakum, um, uh, a translation of that would be the little valley, that's Coom, the little valley of mm. embers. Mm. We think our core work, really, uh, all of us as human beings, we, we, if we, if we're not already a light, if you like, we have in the pit of our stomach uh, this little um, bowl of embers. Mm. And mostly, it just needs the circumstances, the time, the opportunity, and the desire for for that to be breathed on, mm. and to ignite it into a into a flame. Mm. And so we we talk at Endicum about the twin trail of leadership, and the twin trail is the inner the inner path of our own self development, self unfolding, our healing, and the outer trail is the the second trail is the outer trail of having effect in the world. So Embercombe's not a retreat. We call it in advance. It's a, it's a place where you come and incubate uh, whatever it is that is your, your passion, your, your, your gift, and then bring it forward. Mm. And so we think of it as a place that is about... Uh, um, helping leaders emerge, but not leaders uh, as we sometimes normally think of them. So mm-hmm. this could be people from all walks of life in any kind of uh, social uh, situation, people who are brave enough to act on what they know to be true. Mm. is a way we think of leaders. Another way we have of saying it is uh, leaders are those people who seek to empower others to become leaders. Yes, and and and, and uh, you know whether it's uh, whether that person that comes here is long-term unemployed and is now going to um, uh, get a, you know to sort of start some kind of community venture. We, we've got in a couple of months we've got special services troops who've been really badly wounded in Afghanistan and are missing between one and three limbs coming to us, and all of that work will be about helping them find a new vision for their life and and then returning back into society as community leaders, um, whether it's business people, because we've got lot the managers of large corporates coming, and it's saying to them, business could be the power that really brings us the world, you know, that, 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 we, that we long for, because mm-hmm. business has so much power and influence. Yes. But for that to happen, we have to have corporate leaders who, who have non-negotiable values that are built upon the love of our children and our future children. Mm-hmm. I love and, it. Uh, There's so much that could be said about all that you're doing, the things that you've already done. And, and I did want to share 
this one piece of information I found on your website. It says, this is the time to step forward, young or old, rich or poor, over or underworked, happy or miserable. Every single one of us is needed to make the difference. We are the people we have been waiting for. Yes, 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 that is it. I love that and I feel that that is exactly how it is. Uh, there is one way of looking at this time with all the huge challenges which are racing towards and certainly those that are really aware of the extent and magnitude of those challenges are in danger of, of going under the wave, if you like. Mm. But another way, I think, is, is to be just filled with gratitude Mm -hmm. And the privilege of having been born at a time when it really, you know, when, when, when so much is at stake, a million miles from the 15-year-old that I once was, thinking that all the adventures had been had and there was nothing left for. Thank you so much, Mac, for sharing about the organization and sharing a bit of your story, which I'm sure will be encouraging and inspiring to many. Where would people go to find out more about your organization and connect further with you? If they went onto the website, it's www.embercoom, that's E-M-B-E-R-C-O-M-B-E dot co dot U-K. They will see pretty much everything described there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Love the website and all that you're doing. And I look forward to watching as more and more unfolds for the organization and you and I definitely appreciate you taking the time to share with our listeners today. Thank you, Angela. And I really um, gratitude to you for giving me the opportunity to sharing this with your listeners.